0: which is uh, here in Franklin, Wisconsin, where we're broadcasting live from today, if you're following us on the Bud Light live stream. And uh, I uh, I hope we get all the bugs worked out, but uh, we shall see. Hey, by the way, going back to the Brewers, interesting stuff from Adam McCalvey. Uh, Keston here, a lot of people have been clamoring for Keston here to try to get some at-bats and the fact that, you know, he, uh, he's he been limited. Uh, he's hitting two ninety six with a four oh five slugging percentage, or a on-base percentage, 60, 62 slash line. In 84 big league plate appearances against right-handed pitching this season. So why is he not playing? Uh, The Q&A with Craig Council was this. Uh, The question says, you know, is it really tricky to find out where to get him at bats right now? And uh, Craig Council said we're going to try to put out a team to win the game every night. That's the best way to say it. I don't feel like we're in a spot right now where we're trying to, quote, get somebody at bats. We're trying to put a team out there to win games. And then he was asked uh, that might surprise some people watching because they see his numbers against righties and they think he might be a guy you want to get via bats against right-handers. And uh, Craig said, "Well, I think there's a case for that." He said, "Are there petition? Uh, are there positional limitations?" And Craig Council said, "Yep, you could say that. I think defense plays into our lineup decisions as well. Yes." And he was asked, does swing and miss come into factor when you talk about lineup decisions? He said, no, not necessarily. I think overall the offensive picture does. Uh, And then he was asked, how has getting results from mechanical changes helped him? And uh, Craig Council said, I think that Keston Hira has done a good job of making the adjustments this year. I think that even during the season he's made adjustments, and he has made adjustments from his first 75 plate appearances probably to where we are. It's hard to do, right? Uh, the game gave him enough messages, and he finally found something. It started uh, as modifying the leg kick, and it's changed even more since then. Credit him for attempting to make those adjustments and having some success with them. Now, it still doesn't say why he's not finding his way into the lineup, and I can't believe that I'm you know, also one of the people that are saying, wait a minute, you know, Kessen here, for as bad as he's been against right-handed hitting or against right-handed pitching, he's been extremely good. When you've got guys that, that you know aren't sniffing the lineup, and and let me ask you this, and Ben, you tell me, Cody Bellinger is having a terrible season, and was benched the other night. They just flat out didn't play him. It's just not even to say, well, we need to give him time off. They just they just took him out of the lineup. At some point, when you got a guy going 0 for 25, batting from the left side of the plate, in in Christian Yelich, and his 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 numbers just really aren't that good. Let's be honest don't you just say, you know, hey, Christian, why don't you go sit for a while? If you can't help us, you're hurting us. and we In other words, we're playing you, Christian, because you're making a lot of money. So do you buy the argument of we're trying to put a team out there to win games?
1: I do. I think some of the struggles there are not necessarily with Yelich. The Yelich situation, they have to play him. I feel like it's not like they could throw other guys out there in the outfield, plus the money. And I mean, before this month, he had been hitting okay and getting on base okay. But when it comes to fielding the best lineup, and Adam pointed this out, I feel like this is getting caught between what McCutcheon could maybe bring as a veteran and thinking that other good play could be around the corner as opposed to maybe he's just, you know, a, a little too old and doesn't have it anymore compared to what Hira could bring. So if it was up to me, Hira would be in the lineup every time there's a righty on the mound. And Kurt Hogg also Mm -hmm. did a good job uh, documenting the changes has made uh, to his swing and stuff like that. But in terms of fielding the best lineup every day, I I would say Council does. I still believe he's a little, uh, you know, tied, hands tied behind the back with the lack of moves and the lack of depth, really. uh, and Hitting depth, especially. But I, I would like to see Hira out there I say all that to say, though I can't really discount counsel here. I, I feel like this could be more of a front office thing.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's the way I feel. I when I sat last night and I did the Q and A uh, after the uh, cigar at the cigar dinner, most people seem to feel like the front office has given up. Do you feel like that?
1: No, I don't think they've given up. And also, I, it's necessary to note Josh Hader hasn't pitched in like seven days for San Diego because he only pitches in save situations where it's the ninth inning and he right. can throw one inning. I No, I don't think they've given up. I also don't believe they've maximized their team's chances to win this year.
0: That Maybe that's the better way of putting it. So when you say we're doing everything we can to win games, the question becomes are you or is that lip service? You're three games back right now. Behind the St. Louis Cardinals. San Diego, for the trade they made, at the time they were 12 games behind the Dodgers. And everybody thought that, well, there's no way they're going to catch the Dodgers. And pretty much that's true. But when you look at the wild card standings where things are right now, the Brewers are still two games behind San Diego. You know, San Diego getting a win yesterday and the Brewers obviously not. Uh, In the meantime, they're six and a half games behind the Atlanta Braves. A half game or uh, one and a half games behind the Philadelphia Phillies. Two games behind the Padres, and uh, two and a half games, three and a half games, excuse me, three and a half games ahead of the Giants. So, I mean, the Brewers are don't get me wrong; they're still within striking distance. But I still think that if the Brewers don't win the division, they're not making it to the postseason. I, I just I, I don't I don't think they are. And and while people talk about the Padres being two two games ahead of them, technically it's two and a half games because the Phillies are right now in, in the second wild card spot. So, you know, you're not chasing the Padres. I mean, technically, I guess you can say you're behind the Padres, but you're chasing the Phillies because the Phillies are two and a half games right now, uh, or a half game up on the Brewers in that uh, in that chase. So, I I don't think the Brewers have maximized their ability to to win games. I think it's a big disappointment right now. I, I, I really do. Um, I, you know, as Gary said, he says he feels like they punted on the season. It's just sad. Um, Mark says that uh, the Brewers gave up, therefore the fans should too. Last night I had more than a few questions and discussion. I mean, it got – like people were angry. They traded away Hader saying, well, you could have done this in the postseason. You know, after the year you could have done this. There was no net, there, there was no reason that you had to do it right here, right now for what you got in return. And for what you got in return, certainly hasn't benefited this team. And everybody and their brother knew you needed a bat. And instead, you got pitching prospects and two guys that really aren't any good. And the only reason you did it was because you didn't feel like you wanted to pay him in the offseason. I, I just – I the, the, the overwhelming sentiment is the Brewers front office gave up on the season. As much as they want – and I feel – do you feel bad for Craig Council?
1: A little bit. I do. Yes. A
0: bit. I do. I feel like he was – I don't want to say blindsided because I'm sure he's in on all these discussions, but you can when when they lose a game and you, you know they're specifically talking about players like Keshen here and what they need to do and you know and then obviously right after the uh, the the you know Josh Hader trade and when he is sitting there talking to the media about the trade and about what they got and what's what's in return, you feel bad for the guy because he you know he knows what's going on. But in some way, shape, or form, he's got to sell it to not only the fans, but the guys in that clubhouse that, oh, no, we're going for it. We're a really good baseball team. You know, we're we're, we're going to be – you know, it's almost like major league at this point where you need to have a team meeting and guys need to stand up and say, well, then just go win the whole damn thing. You know, it's on the guys now. I mean, because clearly front office didn't help you. They didn't do anything. I mean, I, there, there were people last night, now I wouldn't go that far, but people last night said, yeah, get rid of David Stearns. His magic is gone. You know, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. The guys had a lot of really good moves. It's strictly a what have you done for me you know, lately business. I understand that, but, you know, they've, I, I think today, as much as our emotions can run hot and cold, I think today's a, a big day because if they lose today, Cardinals win, Padres win, you're starting to look three, four games back. You know, I, I think then the you are under a tremendous amount of pressure because it is so hard once you get four games back with five weeks to go to climb back into this thing. It, it, it would all but pretty much seal your fate. And then you're just simply chasing a wild card. And then the question becomes, do you think they can win a wild card game? I think they can. You can win one game. You can get hot for a day. But is there anything to tell you the way this team has performed, specifically since the Josh Hader trade, that they have any headway to where you can say oh yeah the the four things you need to win a championship you need to be good eh, they're pretty good but they're not great you need to be healthy for the most part they've gotten healthy again you need to be lucky not not a whole lot of luck and you need to be hot and they're not hot you know three of the four that you need to win a championship you don't have and you're only pretty good you're not you're not by far talent wise better than what's out there than those ahead of you so I, I, I think a lot of things, mature. I, I, that's the reason I think more so than anything that David Stearns and Mark Antanasio looked at this and said, you know what, if we can sell this to the fans that it's a good thing to get rid of Josh Hader, let's get rid of the money now. That's just the way, that's the perception becoming reality to a lot of people. Uh, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break and come back. Broadcasting live, as you can see over on the Bud Light live stream, it is at Lux Golf Bays. We are here in Franklin, Wisconsin. It is uh, a fantastic time here, and uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us, uh, whether you're watching over on uh, the Bud Light live stream or listening to us anywhere throughout the state of Wisconsin. Stick around. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: You got to hit it, make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Hit it,
0: make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Welcome back to the program. Thanks to our friends over there at Albanese's Roadhouse. Joey, right there in Waukesha, Wisconsin. If you're looking for some great Italian food, that's the place to go. Albanese's Roadhouse, also bocce ball tonight. I know that. I know that for a fact. They have bocce ball on Thursday nights. Uh, you can drive by there and see a whole, you know, just a cast of people outside doing the bocce ball thing. Otherwise, uh, all you got to do is uh, swing in and get some great food, great beverages. Say hi to Joey. That's Albanese's Roadhouse, Blue Mountain Road in Waukesha, right there next to Menards. Tell him we said hi. Uh, time now to uh, go to the uh, hotline. Our buddy uh, Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, at Pete Doherty uh, over on Twitter, joining us on the hotline. Pete, how you doing? Pretty good, Bill. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, let me let me start off with the, the meeting that was. Wide receivers, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what was your takeaway after guys talked about that a little bit?
2: Um, you know,
0: it sounds like it's something they don't regularly do. So, uh,
2: you know, it didn't hurt. You know, it's I, I would have thought, and I think in the past, I thought it was something where they had the receivers – and the quarterbacks in the same room, you know, at least once a week. And so maybe if nothing else, the Packers learn that this might not be the worst idea to do to do this once a week from here on out, just uh, to make sure everybody's thinking the same. Because it is, you know, there's I think there's a lot of truth to it. it. Hearing it from a coach, of course, helps, and they coach guys up and all that. But to actually go through it with the guy who's pulling the trigger, um, and any different differences that he's thinking, any nuances there is probably valuable. So I wonder if the, uh, if Matt LaFleur picked up something there and it's something that he might uh, continue doing uh, for the rest of the season, you know, once a week or so.
0: Is Aaron, like, overwhelmingly frustrated with what's gone on wide receiver-wise? Is there a, uh, hey, guys, we, we need to get it in gear. We're, you know, we're, we're only a few weeks away from the regular season here now.
2: Yeah, you never know. I mean, I think everything he does – and says so is calculated like through the media when he's talking to the media. So the week before he had gone, you know, the first couple of weeks, he had gone out of his way to, you know, say, Hey, these mistakes are good. You know, I really like how things are going. And then I think he just did this to send a message that the regular season is going to crank up here pretty soon. And it's for real. And just to get everybody on, on high alert, I think it was more a calculated thing. Yeah, I'm sure they were making mistakes in practice. I don't know if it was any worse than, you know, the other weeks. But I think it was just a calculated move by him, just uh, you know, put a burn everybody's all the receivers saddle, you know.
0: What about, uh, what has stood out to you so far? Because there's a lot of young faces, there's a lot of new faces, there's uh, a lot of shuffling going on, the offensive line has been a work in progress, new wide receivers, new faces, young guys on the defensive front. What has stood out to you overall so far in camp?
2: You know, it's the same thing that if
0: you've been reading the stories by everybody and
2: following Twitter from people at practices, it's pretty much the same thing you're seeing. the, The defense is definitely been the dominant side of the ball in practice um but you know offense has had its moments had its days but the defense that they're getting a lot of pressure up front Uh, i think jaron reed might be a pretty solid player and a nice addition for them um their their pass rush their front seven just seems it just seems better more active more explosive and you know, on offense, I mean, they're doing a lot of two-back stuff. So I think we're, the ball is going to be in 33 and 28. It's going to be in their hands a lot this season, handing the ball off, throwing screens, throwing checkdowns. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if both of those guys put up, I don't know, close to 1,500 yards each, uh, running and passing. I mean, I think they're going to be a huge part of that offense.
0: That was uh, going to be my next question. I and. I know a lot of people uh, nationally say, well, you know, uh, they're going to have to run the ball more. They're going to be coming a a running offense. And my argument to that is there's no way in hell they're going to take the ball out of the MVP's hands. My thought is you're going to see more motion, more guys schemed open. Uh, And I'm not going to say it's a short passing game, but it's going to become, to me, almost more traditional West Coast offense, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That made me, just as you were saying that, that made me think back to Mike Holmgren's
2: first few years when they didn't have much of a running game and they basically used the check down and the swing passes and the short passes as their running game. And I think, I think that's probably what a lot of what this team will be doing. A lot of quick outs, a lot of, I think LaFleur calls it quick game. We'll probably see, you know, a lot of quick game until teams take that away and then they'll take their deep shots. So I, I do think their run ratio will probably go up from what it's been. Um, but the, the bigger thing for them is just to get their, their two best playmakers are are two running backs. So you get the ball in their hands by hook or by crook, whether you hand it to them or throw it to them, it doesn't matter.
0: Right. The uh, Now I want to go back to the defense because you had talked a little bit about that, so I wanted to, while, while it was fresh in my mind, uh, the young guys on defense obviously had a tremendous amount of depth and there's a lot of optimism there. Uh, I think everybody, uh, you know, I've even read some of your stuff that has said the, the biggest concern obviously is the outside linebacking position depth and then the backup uh, at, say, safety. Uh, that depth there is—is is, is, do you think the backup outside linebacker right now is on this squad, or do you think they're going to be efforting outward once uh, cutdown day happens?
2: I still am tempted or um, inclined to think the latter. Now, their fifth round pick, that Enigbare, um, he's, he had a really good week this week against the Saints and had some good pass rushes. Uh, mostly you know he's going more against the twos than the ones but still he looked he looked pretty decent but um, especially stopping the run you know like when they signed merciless last year he's he made his bones in the league as more of a pass rusher but he was an older guy he, actually what he added till he got hurt was he gave him a little more stout another th- a third stout guy on the edge and so i, I it sure looks like they're going to need some of that because you know, Preston Smith and Gary, I mean, you can't, even if they stay healthy all year, you know, you can't put them out there every snap. I don't think you want them over, I don't know, 80% of the snaps or so. So there's going to be another guy or two out there, and those guys have to hold up or defenses are just going to attack I'm going to run right at them, run boots at them and all that. Uh, so I still wonder, unless, you know, Enigbari keeps just taking off here, I, I still wonder if they'll need to somehow or other you know either through trade or a you know a waiver pickup when a, when somebody gets cut like merciless did um, need to add somebody at that
0: spot Talking with Pete Doherty the Green Bay press Gazette you can find him on Twitter at Pete Doherty so uh, going back to the the secondary now the opposite side of the coin is if you look at all the starters this team's Pretty solid. Uh, you know, I, I get all the time, are they a top five, top three defense? Well, their scoring defense wasn't great last year. So what does this defense potential have, Pete? I mean, uh, you know, let's just say you don't get a lot of injuries and the injuries they do have are not nagging to the point that guys are down for long periods of time. How good do you think this defense can be?
2: So you never know till
0: you see him playing, you know, a chunk of real games, you know,
2: five or six, something like that. Um, but. Right. Kind of just watching practice and, you know, I've, done, I've been going out to these camps for 30 years. I, I think they're going to be pretty good. I, if they don't, now the big, you're, you're right, the health is huge. I, if they don't have any injuries, I think they have a legit shot at being a top five scoring defense, which is, you know, that's where you want to be. It's about the points more than the yards. And I think they would have a legit shot at being a top five defense, which would mean their defense could win them some games, which they're going to need because they're just not going to be as dynamic as they this year as they were the last couple of years, I wouldn't think.
0: What about this uh, special teams unit, uh, whether it's punt team, kick team, coverage teams, what have you, returning? How much better uh, – you know, I, I... – How much better do you think they'll be? I mean, I love Basaccia and the fact that he's got the energy and the fact that he's going to throw the gloves on and be a long snapper himself, and he's going to say, look, if if I can do it, you can do it, and if you can't do it, get the hell out of here. I mean, he's kind of like taking no prisoners at this point, right?
2: Yeah, and he's he's brought a dynamic element to the practices, uh, just the energy. It looks like the attention to the tail is really, really good, but, you know, Especially, I mean, this is, that's one group where you can't tell much of anything other than how good the kicker and the punter are by watching practice. The proof in that will be in the games. And with how things have gone on special teams here on and off for, you know, 25 years or so, I mean, they're guilty till proven innocent. So we'll just have to see it on the field.
0: What about Mason Crosby? Give me your thoughts there because uh, I know he, you know, kicking a soccer ball around the other day and obviously has not had uh, the meaningful reps right now in the preseason, but thoughts on Crosby?
2: Yeah, when camp started, he made it sound like there was a chance that he might miss all of camp, but that he could do that and kick in the first game. And I think he's doing more than, you know, everything he's doing is inside the Hudson Center where, you know, that's out of the uh, public eye and the uh, eyes of reporters. So I'm just, sure he's doing some kind of kicking he's just not doing it in team drills you know with everybody out there and uh, O'Donnell looks like a really good holder really good so i think the operation will be fine as long as the long snapper's okay um, so i'm inclined to say with a guy with Crosby's experience it should be okay you never know if, if the knee really is an issue and this didn't solve it then then they, that's a whole different thing and they got a real problem but you know a guy with Crosby's experience I would think he can he can pick right up as long as he's still able to get pretty good work in, which it sounds like, which he says he has. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, we'll find out when the games start. But I, I w- if I would, it doesn't seem like the Packers are very worried, and I, you know, I don't see obvious cause for alarm unless until he comes out and misses some kicks.
0: Real quick before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, overall. They had these two practices against the Saints. Rodgers doesn't like it. More teams are going to it. You try to get more out of it. I know they're vanilla, but it's still going against another guy that wants to knock your block off and make a team. Give me your thoughts on the joint practice.
2: Yeah, I know the, I know Rodgers doesn't like it, and I'm sure he's got good reasons for it. Um, and he feels like he can get more work done in the more controlled circumstance of regular practice. And most everything teams do is to make life better for the quarterback. But this is one instance where I think it's, I get why teams, why coaches and GMs want these joint practices. Because you get to see guys against other guys against schemes that you're not going to see, that you don't see in practice every day. So it's not the same. You know, it gets real monotonous at camp because you're always seeing the same offense against the same defense for the players so to see somebody else I think is really good for them and it helps with evaluating players and you get a sense because sometimes you know comes the game comes down to matching and so a player might have a good matchup you know against the Packers secondary but you got to see him against somebody else's secondary to see if he's for real and like Romeo Dobbs for instance uh he's getting open just as often against the Saints as he is in Packers practice so uh it it confirms things like that so I, I don't know if I'm a coach or GM I'm doing the joint practices and. Just, you know, the quarterback just has to, uh, you know, just live with it for a couple days.
0: Always good to chat, my friend. We appreciate it, and I'll talk to you again soon, okay? Sounds good, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thanks, pal. There you go. Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press Gazette, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Going to step away, take a quick break, broadcasting live at Lux Golf Bays. We are here in Franklin, Wisconsin. Going to come back uh, with the owner of those, this place and talk a little bit about this, the motorcycle ride coming up, uh, the complex itself down here. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show live down here in Franklin coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.